Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Strength in the Numbers. Now look, you've probably heard many times on this show talk about the future of finance, robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, data visualization, you know, accountants being put out of jobs and the business maybe not viewing finance as relevant, depending on your point of view. But all these progressions or developments in accounting is meant to make for uh, more benefits coming from finance teams and accounting practices servicing clients and organizations so what does it all mean and is it really going to deliver all the benefits it's promising so look i've invited one of the world's leading accounting and finance futurists speakers and influencers mark lee to help us see and make sense or maybe debunk some of that future and what it might actually really look like so on this episode we deconstruct the importance of key business skills relative to soft skills and how these are valuable to organizations and will become more so. How to deconstruct the changes happening in accounting and finance into maybe three distinct time horizons to help us better plot a path forward. How to be the best finance professionals we can be as we walk and move into the future and debunking what that future looks like because there's a lot of promised benefits but really is it going to deliver as fast as people are thinking? And Mark really helps us understand that better. So look, I really enjoyed the conversation with Mark. He's had a fantastic career and not a very traditional path. So uh, really, really interesting insights that he's been able to bring into our profession. And as I said, he spends a lot of time thinking about the future and helping us plot our paths through and mentoring others. So look, you're going to get loads out of this show. If you did remember, please to let your friends and colleagues know about it. We're on all the major platforms. So subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud and YouTube. And we really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to Mark and the show. Yeah, sure. Uh, It starts with a a somewhat unique start. Uh, I was a children's party entertainer as a teenager. And then I decided that uh, that wasn't going to provide a a lucrative living. So I decided to train and qualify as an accountant in order to broaden my skills network and give me the opportunity to choose to do whatever I wanted once I'd qualified as a chartered accountant. I was with a small firm. And when I qualified, I thought, I still don't know what I want to do, but tax seems more interesting than anything else. And so I moved to one of the, what was then big eight, now big four firms to specialize in tax got promoted, got into training within that firm as well, tax training as it was, and some skills training too. And then I moved around two or three times to smaller firms, larger firms. I was headhunted to join BDO in London as a lead tax partner in their professional practices team. And again, giving strategic advice to lawyers, surveyors, and other professionals and accountants too. I became chairman of the tax faculty at the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales about 15 years ago. And then a few years later, I thought, damn, I don't actually like giving tax advice. It's really too complicated. <laughs> I was getting to that stage. I was thinking, what do I want to do for the rest of my career that I really enjoy? And what I 
when I looked back and thought about what I'd really enjoyed doing, and to be fair, this was after I'd been made redundant for the second time. So the, the thought, the opportunity to think was, was foisted on me. I realized I'd already decided I didn't want to be a tax partner in, a, in an accountancy firm again. And I, I had been a tax consultant in other organizations. But I realized the things I enjoyed doing most were speaking, writing and mentoring. And so I resolved in 2006 to build a career focused around doing those three things. And that's where we are today. There's so much in there. I mean, from children's entertainer yep. to, I, I don't know, to influencer in accounting and finance. I mean, that's a heck of a journey. Look, there's, um, there's you know, there's some bits I want in, uh, to sort of pull out of there. But a few, I mean, I suppose, what's been sort of the most memorable part for you for, from that journey? Well, I think when I was fortunate because of my profile, I built a, quite a profile. I recognized quite early on that building your career is not a function only of your technical skills. Mm-hmm. You have to have the interpersonal skills. You have to have the presentational skills, communication skills, and business development skills. And I picked up on that earlier than many of my peers did. Or maybe it just came naturally to some of them more naturally (laughs) to them than it did to me. I'd always been into self-development. So first article I had published in a taxation magazine and then an accountancy magazine, they were quite seminal moments. Mm -hmm. Then being invited to become a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Tax because of the profile that I'd built up and as chairman of the tax faculty. When I say invited, it meant that instead of having to write, uh, go do the exams, I was invited to submit a thesis in lieu of, oh, sorry, a body of work in lieu of a thesis, mm-hmm. uh, which was the other option when you were that experienced. And I remember going to Guildhall, big fancy place in London, and being presented yes. with my award. And this was really special to me because I hadn't gone to public school, I hadn't gone to university. There wasn't an admission ceremony when I became a member of the Institute of Chartered Accountants in those days. There is now. And that was really, really special day. And I still have the photo of the award being presented to me uh, in my office. So that, that was really important. Being invited to stand for election to be chairman of the tax faculty of the Institute of Chartered Accountants was really cool. And then that leading to me being ex officio member of the Council of the Institute of Chartered Accountants. And then once I stood down from all that... I was then invited to join the Ethics Advisory Committee and then to chair the Ethics Advisory Committee of the Institute. In other words, once you start volunteering, yeah, they find ways to keep you involved <laughs> yes. if, if you're contributing in a positive yeah. way. And I always felt that these, this was part and parcel of giving back to the profession. As so many of us realize, you get a lot from what you give rather than just sitting back and hoping stuff's going to come to you regardless. Yeah, I think I think you know that's that's a very interesting point, and I'd love to tease that out a bit further because you know you've experienced this firsthand on your journey, Mark. But you know I find that accountants and finance professionals we we tend we tend, and I know I'm stereotyping, to be more of a reactive bunch. Yep. We wait for things to come at us, whether it be from clients asking us to do something, or whether we're in a large uh, corporate or, or organization waiting to be told, you know, I want this bit of information or this report or this analysis. I mean, I mean, obviously you've benefited from from taking a proactive giving approach to our profession. But like, I suppose, how how do you break that cycle and um, and become more of a giver? 
I've no idea how you change your own mindset other than perhaps mm. recognizing that the people who you admire mm. have done that themselves and yeah. recommend it. I mean, there, there is a challenge, I think, in professional life, whether you're in industry and commerce or in practice, sometimes there's a tendency to admire and look up to the people who others might see as bullies or as very single-minded and very focused and very determined. And they've got where they are because of those attributes mm. and personal qualities. And whenever I've done that, and I thought, oh, I, and I remember when I was younger thinking, oh, I wish I was a bit more like this one or that one. And then I thought, actually, I don't want to be like that person. Mm. I don't like those personal traits and qualities. And if that's what it takes to get on, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I look yeah. around, looked around, and I found plenty of other people who were successful, who had more of more nurturing qualities, more positive qualities, and had been successful because of those qualities. And yep. actually, the more I look around, and I've realized this as I get older, I've realized there are more people with positive, inspiring, nurturing attitudes and approach to colleagues, to staff, to, to clients, rather than being solely single-minded and only looking out for themselves. And I, I don't want to be like that, and I wouldn't encourage anybody else to be like that, because in the long term, you might get there to wherever it is you're looking to go, but you'll probably be alone. Yeah, And that's yep. that's no fun. Yeah, I, th I think there's a co there's a common theme, definitely, Mark, with the guest mentors we're bringing on. I, I feel it's more of a case of of, of giving, uh, and there's a lot of enjoyment of contributing. And I, I guess it, you know, like as much as you made made it sound actually quite simple, there, it's really if you look at the people who you admire, there's a lot of positive qualities in there, and there's a lot then to to learn from and move forward from. I like that approach. For me, it's, it seems to be more of a mindset thing, you know, making that positive choice. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but how many of us stop to think that it could be as something simple as that? It's just one day making that choice. You know, this is how I want to be. And I think it's probably, you know, you might have said it was sort of forced up, uh, upon you in terms of uh, the scenarios you found yourself in your career. And then with time, you've, you've been able to reflect upon it. But what's stopping a lot of our listeners just doing that today, you know, after the podcast, just reflecting on where they are? The best tip I can remember along those lines is to identify 10 people you admire at the top of the career ladder you would like to be on mm -hmm. and start listing out the qualities that they have that you admire mm -hmm. and look for the overlaps and then look for the gaps between where you are now and those qualities and attitudes and approaches that those people have. And then you can start looking to close those gaps. It gives you something specific to aim for. That's awesome. What a great way of actually finding something that uh, you'd enjoy doing as well, you know, and meaning in terms of progression and growing and developing. That's That, that resonates with ourselves, you know, because it's, I think there's room for loads of different types of people in our profession. Of course. Um, adding value. Yeah. And even more so going forwards. If we, if we look into the future, and as, as you know, one of the things I do a lot now is talk about the future, write about the future and uh, the evolution that's required within uh, individuals operating within the accounting and finance professions. 
when we look to the future, more and more of the day-to-day tasks that we all originally learned to do, mm-hmm. more and more of those will be automated, will be done through robotic process automation, machine learning, artificial intelligence, call it what you like, uh, depending upon how far your time scale is. The skills that we will need and that accounting and finance people will need in the future will be less technical in some respects, less detail orientated, and may therefore attract different people to those who mm-hmm. were attracted in, in 10, 20, 30 years ago. That's a great point, actually. It probably means there's more room for, for people from different backgrounds, uh, which actually could be quite exciting as well. Very much so. And I suppose with an eye on the future then, Mark, like how do you see it um, shaping out for, for, I suppose, those in practice and or those in commerce and industry? There's a lot of hype out there about how quickly the robots will be taking over our jobs. <laughs> One of the things it says on my business card uh, and profiles online, I've used the word debunker because I debunk mm. a lot of the hype, myths and misconceptions around the topics that I, I speak about, including the future. So when people are talking about AI and robots and whatever, you have to question how far into the future are they talking? Most of them are talking 10 to 20 years down the line, at least. And in my experience, few accountants are really planning their careers more than a few years ahead. And certainly accountants in practice running accounting firms rarely spend that long looking more than 18 months, two years down the line. And so how the changes which are coming will impact us depend upon the time frame we look at. And a friend of mine, Rohit Talwar, who's a a global futurist, he recommends, and I've adapted his recommendation, to recognize that there are three timescales to look at when you're looking into the future. Mm -hmm. First one is the next 12 to 18 months, because that's when you can really impact. Then you've got 18 months to sort of three or four years out. And then you've got four to 10 years. And then beyond 10 years, well, flipping out. Who the hell knows? (laughs) Nobody in their right mind is making definitive plans more than 10 years down the line for an accountancy firm or an accounting fund. Because the changes which we will see are are so enormous. That's very interesting. I I had to giggle, I suppose. How many people take that time to step back and think, look at the timeframes on this. You know, there's, I suppose, so much circulating about the need for change and so on. And I, I think we probably lose sight as we got these key business skills we can keep uh, leveraging that will keep uh, creating and capturing value for organizations for <laughs> many years to come. I mean, accountants have probably been around since ancient Babylon times, like 4,000 years. And I think, you know, definitely I could see a path for us 10, 20, 30 years anyway into the future without having to do too much different. But but there are some things we probably should look at, and I think you've called it out quite well, Mark, the difference between the key business skills and the soft skills. Uh, I mean, for our audience's benefit, like what should we be looking out for there? The point I make there is that historically, uh, accountants have always made time to keep themselves up to date technically. Either mm. they don't want to be sued or they don't want to lose their job. <laughs> But there is that fear, you know, if you look, th- yes. think about it as the oh. carrot or the stick, it's the stick approach. We're, cons- mm-hmm. we're worried. We don't, we don't want to lose our jobs. We don't want to screw oh. up. We don't want to get sued. Therefore, we make the time to keep ourselves technically up to date mm-hmm. and to learn yeah. about the new stuff from a technical perspective. 
there has yeah. been a historical reluctance, not across the board, but very commonly, to assume that everything else is a soft skill, not hard, not difficult, not important, perhaps, and we'll learn it on the job or we'll learn it by watching our peers, colleagues and bosses. Yeah, That's really sad because, in my experience, the people with the better personal and business skills are the ones who really develop their careers and achieve much more, whether, again, that's in practice or in industry mm -hmm. commerce. And therefore, I think it is crucially important, it's almost a campaign I'm running, if you like, to stop talking about soft skills, talk mm. instead and recognize that there are a range of key business skills finance leaders will require, whether in practice or in industry commerce in the future, and taking the time to identify the gaps between where we are now and where we want to be as regards each of those skills. And there isn't a finite number of them because no. the key business skills you will require depend upon what you're doing now and what you want to be doing in a few years' time. But they certainly, certainly include effective communication, persuasion, influence, presenting type skills. They certainly, uh, if you're in practice, include business development, networking skills, recognizing the difference between pitching for work, selling work, winning work, knowing how to price the work. Hey, no, we were, I think you were actually challenging us on the key business skills um, and building that up, the various dimensions. A key issue that's changing is the way that work comes to accountants in practice. Historically, most clients would look for an accountant because they had compliance obligations to fulfill. They would need to complete and file tax returns and accounts. They didn't feel able to do it themselves, so they would go to an accountant to do it. And indeed, years ago in the UK and perhaps uh, overseas as well, there was also an obligation to have the accounts audited and you went to an accountant who would do that. So there were legal obligations that required taxpayers, companies to find an accountant to do stuff for them. Now, those compliance obligations are getting simpler and easier for individuals and organizations to do themselves to an extent. And the direction of travel is clear. That is only going to continue. In the UK, the revenue authorities will, over the next few years, be taking more and more income and capital gains data directly from source documents and from the organizations paying the money out which will reduce the numbers which will need to be input onto tax returns. The online cloud bookkeeping systems are making bookkeeping simpler and the production of accounts will become much simpler going forwards. Within five to ten years, I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but within five to ten years, the reason for going to an accountant will have evolved to the extent that accountants won't be able to rely upon a constant stream of new clients coming to them because they want help with their compliance services to the extent that they currently need it. That work will still be there. I'm not one of these people mm -hmm. who says that compliance work is dying. It's reducing in Definitely terms of not. the complexity and the support that mm -hmm. accountants are required to provide to clients. That means accountants will have a choice. Mm -hmm either to try and generate far more clients to do that work for, which means having 
more making more pitches more meeting more prospective clients meeting more influencers bringing more clients on board more onboarding processes and maintaining more relationships with clients than they've had to to date in order to generate the same money from the same type of work but they'll have to be doing it for more clients because mm -hmm. the fees not necessarily from existing clients because existing clients may be happy and may not notice that you're having to do less, but new clients will want less from you. And as your current clients yep. die, yep. get sold, or merge, or whatever, you will need to pick up more new clients, and the new clients will want less from you in basic counting compliance terms than your existing clients require. The alternative is to move on to providing a wider range of services to clients, maybe your existing clients, mm -hmm. maybe new clients, but expanding your skill base so that you're able to do that and to charge bigger fees is one thing, but here's the real killer. You will also need to develop the skills to promote and sell those services in a different way to the way that you sold the compliance services that people were buying because there was a legal obligation to get those services and get that support and help. Oh, I've got so many questions, Mark. I don't know where to start, I guess. Maybe i just throw it out. Do you think then, just latching on to an earlier point, this soft, the suggestion of soft skills, right? Is that Have we just been guilty of underplaying the importance of this by calling the word soft? It's like, yeah, it's important, but we'll get to it when we can. It's more important to focus on the hard skills because they're... They're what we make our bread and butter from. Soft is is important, but we'll get to it when we can, and we won't put too much emphasis on it. Should should we be shifting our emphasis? Should it be less soft now and actually more essential? Well, it's, it's one of the reasons why I talk about key business skills or even essential business skills. I might even move to that. I quite like that. <laughs> hey, look, happy to. Hey, we're it's uh, you're, 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 we're getting loads of yeah. value from here, so we're just bouncing it around, uh, marks. So, but it, but essentially, is that is that what it is? Maybe we just need to reframe what people see as soft skills to to more I essential. Think, I think that is part of it. I think the other issue, which is helping here, is that in the days when I started as account as an accountant, I accepted the conventional wisdom. I was selling my time, and the clients were buying my time, and therefore any time that wasn't spent either on client work or ensuring that my client work would be top notch was not a good use of my time. I've realized over the last 10, 15 years, nobody buys an accountant's time. They're buying the service, the output, the delivery, the conclusion, the result, the solution that the accountant provides. And to an extent, they don't care if it takes 20 minutes or 20 hours. Focusing on the time that something takes is not the best way to provide greatest value to clients or to help clients appreciate the value they're getting, and nor is it the best way to maximize the income you generate for providing the solutions and service that you do to clients because your time is a finite resource. If you, if you generate something, say you write a white paper, you write a book even, everybody pays for that. You don't divide the time it's taken you to write it and ask everybody to pay a proportion of that <laughs> and then refuse to sell it to anybody else. It's, yes. it's a nonsense. Yes. And in the same way, you, you give advice to a client or if you're employed and you give advice to your boss, the same issue comes up later. You want to give that advice to somebody again. Well, you've already been paid for your time once. You don't give it away free the second time. Mm -hmm. 
if you have to do the research once and somebody pays for the research once, what do you do the next time you're asked for advice on the same issue? A, charge the same as the first time, even though you didn't spend any research time. B, charge just the time it's taken you because you've already got the accumulated knowledge. C, go back to the first client and say, oh, somebody else is willing to pay for the research I did for you so I can reduce your fee and, uh, and charge the same fee to the second person, but only for part of the research and so on. I mean, it's, it's nonsense. That's a real move to outcomes-based or value pricing or pricing value. I mean, so, so we're talking about key or essential business skills now around communication, business development, networking, uh, pricing value. It, you know, like um, I think personally, we, we can, should be controlling our own destiny. So we've got to take a lot of responsibility there. I mean, what's the role of our, I suppose, traditional accountancy institutes in, in helping us along? I mean, you know, are there waves being made in your mind or not being done there? Or, or is it actually on us to help them uh, help us? I can't speak for all the professional bodies. I'm, I'm still involved with the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales. And I, <laughs> yeah. I got, in, in, a, in a voluntary capacity, I, I got promoted um, when I left the Ethics Advisory Board. Uh, I got invited to join the members and commercial board of the institute, uh-huh. um, and as I say, the reason I say it felt like a promotion is because the chairman of the ethics advisory board reports to the members and commercial board, <laughs> but it's it's still voluntary okay. and it's still a. But as a as a result of my involvement there, you know, I've learned certain things, including the fact that going back in time, the ICAEW Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales used to revise the exam syllabus every six years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It now, over the last couple of years, the exam syllabus is revised every six months. Mm -hmm. And and when I say syllabus, I don't mean the specific technical topics on which you are examined. Mm -hmm. I mean the structure of the examination process in terms of what should be examined from a conceptual perspective that is a heck of a change and, and i think uh, i know you give that perspective i've spoken to a couple other leaders of, of other institutes and they they're giving similar thoughts that it used to be three to five years and now it's much more six to a year um i don't think there's any avoiding of this so that's a really positive move uh, it's it's constant it has to be has constantly to be. revised now has to be has to be and and um you know if we take a, a leaf out of that book you know i think ourselves if we've got that that time available, we should be looking to to refresh or, or enhance or revisit our skills to the gaps you were talking about earlier, Mark. And he's questioning, is that something we want to do? And if it is, what do we need to be doing to get there? So um, to appreciate you sharing that advice. I, I suppose in terms of yourself, though, I mean, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Best advice I was given, I took on board only two or three years ago but it was to assume good intent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Co- cock up over conspiracy. <laughs> and I've, I've found life is much easier for me now that I stop assuming people are trying to harm me or hurt me or do things uh, to screw things up. Because most occasions, on most occasions, my assumption is wrong. Other people, by and large, are out there to help us, mm-hmm. to help each other. Yeah. There are some nasty people out there and in the wonderful world, words of the, the children's song uh, from the film Frozen, let it go. <laughs> uh, uh, 
I'm very, very active on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, and also on LinkedIn, which I see is completely separate from social media. It's online business network. Mm -hmm. I very rarely attract trolls. Uh, I used to write regularly on a platform accounting web, which very highly regarded and uh, very highly visited uh, in the UK, accountingweb.co.uk. And I did attract some trolls there, people who would just look to criticize or challenge things that I was saying. The, the vast majority of readers, and I had over a million views of my stuff on there, so I was quite prolific and quite significant. The vast majority of people appreciated my input, guidance, support, advice, and recognized it came from a position of giving and sharing. Mm -hmm and with a, a positive and encouraging supportive view for the future. But there were always one or two people who would take a negative slant. And I, I played the game, to me it was a game, of responding to them, assuming good intent, and accepting I might not have been as clear as I might have intended to be. Yep. And keeping it professional in my response. Yep. We're always with a mind to giving extra value to anybody who's following the thread. Yep. And I would let other people have the last word as well on the basis, you know what, if anybody reads this thread, I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> I'm the good guy, and this one's the idiot. Yeah. Uh, or not an idiot, no, maybe no, just no, naive. Just naive in how they're coming across. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, let, letting it go and assuming, that, assuming good intent. So when somebody does challenge, assuming they're not doing it to try and prove me wrong or to prove me to be some sort of an idiot, yeah, I'm old enough and wise enough now to know that I'm not perfect. I've never professed to be perfect. If somebody wants to call me a guru, that's very nice. It's not a word I've used for myself. <laughs> and and I accept that people who call them you know, self-proclaimed experts and gurus or whatever sometimes don't deserve it. So I try and steer clear of that myself. Yeah, hey, look, there's some there's some really good advice in there because again, I'd love to love to see and and hear and and learn about more people in our profession engaging and giving just even on those social media platforms. And and to be fair in your assessment, most people are there to be positive. Like similarly, I've, I've had, a, had a couple of trolls uh, and I actually have to say, I've actually learned from them in terms of how to better come across and also yep. some facts that um, I was unaware of as well around um, particular details on the development, development of our profession. So I actually have to be very thankful for them to engage and um i just probably would have preferred the tone not to have been as negative more constructive exactly but hey that's what we learn right and we 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 learn from from engaging so um it's not um i say it'd be great to see more people engage and and it's a great opportunity to develop writing skills communication skills uh, and uh, get a sense of what what's interesting people out there as well and uh, and you'll find you'll meet some fascinating people who will uh, find that the point you're making resonate and you can build some very good uh, friendships and community around that so so what's there to lose it's how we we came together on uh, on linkedin uh, i saw that you were speaking on a, a virtual summit i think mm -hmm. and i did what i encourage always encourage people to do if you're going to be attending an event Get in touch with people. Look, look up the speakers or the people you might meet beforehand online. You can you invariably find their profiles on LinkedIn. Ask to connect. Send a personal message because most people don't yes. do that. And if you send a personal message and say, I hear you're speaking at this event, looking forward to hearing you, I've got to tell you as a speaker, and I know your, your response was the same, Andrew, so few people do yes. that, you stand you out do. positively. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's it's so easy to do. Oh, and what and that's how you and I came. That's how you and I came to be speaking. Exactly, because I did that. Yeah. Exactly, and I was I was so intrigued, like by the message. I sort of checked out your profile, Mark, and then uh, one thing that stood out, right? And like, um, I, I've been I've been told my work's been magic in in some degree, but you actually took it a step <laughs> further. You're part of the magic circle, which I can't let you escape this podcast without <laughs> going into. So, how how did that come about? It grew from the children's party entertaining and learning learning about magic. And I joined a local magic society and then I joined the magic circle and the sort of closing the loop, if you like, is one of the other proud moments of my career was when I was elected treasurer of the magic circle, a position I've now held for five years, in part, in part, because there isn't a lot of competition <laughs> yeah. from other accountants to trained magicians who are members of the magic circle. But... It is lovely when I go on stage and I'm introduced and somebody says, and possibly the most interesting thing about him is he's a treasurer of the magic circle. <laughs> well, put it this way, right? We left that bit towards the end. There was plenty much more to you, Mark, uh, than, uh, than just the magic side. But I think, I think, look, you know, it's uh, coming back to the point on assumptions, you know, until you get to know people, you know, you can't really assume, assume anything, you know, and uh, you know what? That's a challenge we should lay down for the audience, isn't it? Is, is take the steps to go and engage with people you know read those articles and if you're enjoying them or see someone speaking at an event just reach out to them connect and, and see where the conversation goes you know absolutely and it's something i encourage people to do beforehand afterwards you can find me online on linkedin uh, there's over a thousand mark lees so <laughs> you, you find bookmark lee which is this line i use everywhere to the extent that my business card is also in the shape of a bookmark oh, that's brilliant <laughs> added value there and then like you know i mean uh, how many people think of that you know so <laughs> that's brilliant mark actually in terms of connecting you mentioned linkedin are there any other good places to connect with you at thank you yeah my my website is www.bookmarklee.co.uk and uh, i'm also on twitter bookmarkly and uh, those I think I've got Instagram as I have got Instagram as well, but it, I don't. I haven't found it's overly relevant in the accounting and finance world. <laughs> I was, I was really interested by my, uh, my wife Katie. She she was saying, "Yeah, you should get onto Instagram now." And I said, "Look, I have no idea how that could be relevant, but uh, I'm sure someone. By the way, if someone's listening, that could tell us how it could be relevant. Please connect with us because um, you know we'd love to understand. I could tell you how how it could be relevant, <laughs> cool. uh, but I, I won't because because it doesn't matter how relevant we think yeah, it is. Yeah. If our t you know, the thing about social media is it's, so, social media is about being social, yes. about connecting with people. In uh, say LinkedIn's different; it's an online business network. But who do you want to influence through your connections yes. on social media? So if you take Instagram, who do you want to influence there? Who do you want to connect with there? If it's accounting and finance people, it doesn't matter how useful you make whatever you share. If they're not looking there, if they're not going there. Mm -hmm. It's it's not going to anybody that you're looking to influence. That's right, because I couldn't figure out who in accounting and finance would be there. Um, in, a, yeah. in that context, I could see it in a personal context, but um, in terms exactly. of professional, I don't know. But if we're missing something, then please let us know. That's um, that's why we're trying to build a community here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so, Mark, and um, I, I suppose other useful resources you might might have found along your way. Would it be any books or anything like that you could recommend our audience check out? Well, the, the most commonly recommended book that I would echo recommendation of is Dr. Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which uh, I'm sure I'm not the first to suggest it. 
Uh, so the one I will suggest that you don't hear too often, it's got a fantastic title. You can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. It's a gen genuine title of a book uh, written by David Sandler, S-A-N-D-L-E-R. The title is You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. It's about business development and selling skills. Interesting. Highly, highly relevant and worthwhile. And that very much resonates with some of the, the key and the essential skills we mentioned earlier. So so that's that's yeah. a nice way of closing the loop on that. And I suppose, yeah. you know, Mark, in terms of wrapping up, are there any sort of parting thoughts you'd have for our audience and listeners? I go back to something I said earlier about thinking about how you would like to see your career panning out, at least for the next few years. Look at people who may have already achieved what you're looking to achieve and ask to have a conversation with them. There are plenty of people out there who will willingly mentor younger people or people earlier in their careers. Uh, I do it professionally. So the accountants I work with on a one-to-one -one basis tend to be sole practitioner accountants who want my support and advice and, and they pay for it. But there's plenty of people out there who will give you at least a short amount of time, some tips and advice out of the goodness of their hearts because they want to give back to the profession. And perhaps also because somebody once helped them and they want to pass on that goodness too. And to an extent I do, to an extent I do that myself as well with an, it costs nothing to have a, a, a quick chat and, and I'm always up for that. Of course. Yeah. Well, we'll look uh, and I encourage people to do that. There was someone did it for me that sort of started on this journey many years ago and um, I think it cost cost me and them fifteen minutes, and they even paid for the coffee. They wouldn't they wouldn't let me pay exactly. a, in, a, in a lobby of a hotel. So look, I I encourage people to do that because anyone that's that's visible probably has had some help or mentorship along the way, and they're just so willing to give back. And it's so easy to it's so easy to contact them generally Nowadays. through LinkedIn. Yeah. The only thing I disagree with you on there, Andrew, is for goodness' sake, if so, if you're going to meet somebody for coffee or a drink. And you're going to be picking their brains. Offer to buy the they drink. They wouldn't let me. Please. They wouldn't let me, a fellow Irishman. What can I say? Yeah. Oh, definitely offered. Yeah. No, you're completely right. So, yeah. I mean, it's, that's like taking, take, take, take. Well, look. I suppose. I suppose they. They. You know. Like what I would say is, I would encourage people. Whatever the advice is, you know, remember to pass it on or share it with others. You know, I think that's the best yes. gift you can give to someone giving the advice. Wonderful idea. Is, you know, yeah. so, um, so, so, Mark, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. I think you did a uh, fa fascinating uh, career journey. Also, uh, you know, I think that distinction away from the technical to the essential skills and the key business skills, very important. Also, that the paths and the future and taking a perspective on the timeframes. There's different timeframes for different things. And more than likely, we're going to remain relevant as a profession uh, and a community. Oh, yes. So what a great, uh, what a great uh, time, great conversation. And uh, really invest, appreciate investing your time with us today, Mark. Many thanks for having me, Andrew. Enjoyed it. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter. 
which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.